Yeah, what's doing? I think I want to try to do a podcast. A what? What's that? Well, I, well, I talk about what I do during the day and maybe conversations. Oh, because I never heard that term. So what do you put it on the Internet? Yeah. Yeah, too bad I don't have it. I never heard that term before. Have what is the name again? A podcast. Pot? P-O-T? P-O-D-C-A-S-T. All right. I never heard that term. Du, 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 du. Wherever you are. <laughs> Usually, I, I didn't have the one that has the music after, so I'm doing it. <laughs> dee, 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 dee. This is The Mild Adventures of Fred Stoller. Ben Sollenberger's there. He doesn't have a mic. We did that on purpose. <laughs> Amber Tozer. Hi. And before I introduce, and I'm surrounded by beautiful women, <laughs> I want to do a little story that relates to them. Um, I may have told this story before, but when I was a kid, I think I wanted to be in, uh, an actor. <clears throat> and TV shows, The Brady Bunch, The Partridge Family. I'd see character actors, and they were misfits like me. And I go, I could be one of those guys, not like a good-looking, hunky guy. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I didn't know how you did it. And then someone said, oh, uh, your parents have to put you in as a kid. It's like hockey or gym, being a gymnast. I go, damn, another thing to be resentful at my mother about. You didn't put me in a TV show. And then when I got older, there's the, in well, no, I, I got more savvy where I went to a comedy club in Brooklyn with my older sister, so Richard Lewis and Billy Crystal. And someone explained to me that uh, to get on a TV show, like people like Freddie Prince, Jimmy Walker, they did their act at the improvisation, and then you get on The Tonight Show, and then you get a TV show. I said, oh, okay, now I know how to do it. I'm not mad at my, well, I'm still mad at my mother, but I, 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 I really, you know, so I was pathologically shy and depressed, but I thought I only have to do stand-up one time, and I pictured being on The Tonight Show going, hey, it's my second time doing this. Okay, that didn't happen. So about today's guest is there to young ladies who I assume your parents did get you on a TV show, unless you ran away from home when you were four. I shouldn't assume anything. <laughs> and said, I'm going to be a child actress. So um, I want to, you know, I have a lot of questions from people. I have them. What it's like growing up in showbiz, especially everybody loves Raymond, one of the biggest hits, and Fatal Attraction, one of the biggest movies. You know, I know your perspective must be skewed a little bit, uh, but uh, there's so much to talk about. So this is the child actor show. And then if there's a the music, da 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 I don't know. So I keep I keep saying your name wrong. Madeline, I should know you. Yeah, Madeline, Madeline Sweeten. Maybe talk a little oh, closer. Sorry. Madeline Sweeten, no, of course I know your name. And a really sweet story is that I don't do my act so much anymore, but I did it at the improv was it like seven, eight months ago? Oh, yeah, I believe so, yeah. And then this nice lady comes up to me. She goes, it's Allie. You know, we're, we're cousins. Because we yeah. were cousins on Everybody Loves Raymond. And she's the little girl. Grown up, you were on it nine years? Yep, nine years. Four to uh, 13. From, from four to 13. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, and we got a lot of stories. Because I have stories about what it's like being a guest on the show. I want to know what it was like being a regular and all these crazy stories. And Ellen Latson, am I saying it correctly? That's right. Now, you were the uh, little girl in Fatal Attraction and the 
Did you guys see Fatal Attraction? Yeah. And oh, the, yeah. The, the scene, everyone, did you see it, Madeline? Mm. It's wow, well, you were only your time, <laughs> before your time. Uh, the scene everyone remembers is you on a roller coaster with Glenn Close. Mm-hmm. And uh, and were you there when the rabbit was killed in real life? I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> well, well, the rabbit was already dead. Oh, okay. And you screamed. I, I did scream very loud. Okay, okay. Oh, God, so, this sounds awful. <laughs> and you, such a good movie. Oh, my God. Is this the one where she crossed her legs? In the, no, no, people get that confused. No, that, yeah. It came out right after. Okay. It's they, the one where they boil a bunny. They boil a bunny. They, they her boil bunny. my bunny. Her bunny. And, <laughs> well, all right, let me. Glenn Close is a crazy bitch. She, you know, whenever there's a movie like, um, why am I bringing a, oh, next week, uh, well, I think we're having uh, William Catt, who played something Hinckley on The Greatest American Hero, mm-hmm. and Hinckley was a guy who tried to kill a president. So that became a name for, he's a Hinkley. He's Hinkley because he was trying to kill a president to impress Jodie Foster. So Fatal Attraction, oh, she's a Fatal Attraction because of that movie became like the prototype for a crazy woman mm-hmm. you you can't have sex with and then dump, you know, because mm. she goes, the, the famous line is, I will not be ignored. So she, Michael Douglas slept cheats with- Cheats on his wife. Cheats on Ann Archer. And um, so we'll talk about there's a scene where where Michael Douglas comes home and is and Glenn Close took the daughter. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, that's not really how it went down. But she, okay. yeah. So Glenn Close, I, I played the, the daughter of, of Michael Douglas and Ann Archer. And in her psychopathic behavior, Glenn Close, she kidnaps me from school. Mm. Takes and you on a scary roller coaster. She ride. does. So she she takes me to to what was Rye Playland. Uh, was that in, in Queens? York. No, Westchester. Wow. And so she takes me on this this emotional and and physical. Oh, I didn't get the metaphor. Oh, and, uh, yeah. and so uh, That's so, deep. so she takes she picks me up from school and and Ann Archer went to go pick me up and and she's looking around and and she asks the little Hildy character. Hildy, where's Ellen? Because my name is Ellen in the movie as well. And she what? Goes, where's they Ellen? do that with kids so they don't get confused when they're saying your name. No, I'm just kidding. Well, it, that that was Ann Archer's <laughs> idea. In fact, really? Yeah. Because so you would was, you wouldn't understand when they'd call you a different name. Well, it was my it was my first role ever. And how old were you? Six. Wow. It was your first role. And you were an old and lady compared like to Allie. Of kids, right. right. Weren't there yes. like thousands? No, no. Were, look, that's so, go, so heavy. Right. So let's so, go over the chronology a little bit. How okay. at six did you get to be in Fatal Attraction? So it was actually a fluke. Because my mom was looking through the paper, and she and where did you live? In Larchmont, New York. Larchmont, that's right around here. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> the other, the East Coast. Larchmont. Is that by? In um, is that by? My sister lives in New City. Is that by Nanuet Mall? Sort of, yeah. It's, it's a little. It's yeah. It, it's in Westchester, so okay. like just north of the Bronx. Anyway, so she was reading the paper, and she came across an article talking about an open casting call for an untitled Adrian Lyne film starring Michael Douglas, and they were looking for... And, and just, just for the movie buffs, Adrian Lyne had did Flashdance before that, Correct. so he was big. Yes. Mm. And so this was the new untitled film starring Michael Douglas, and they were looking for a little girl age six to eight, no acting experience necessary. And so I was just going to be six at the time, and my mom thought, oh, you know, Ellen Ellen could try out for this, and yeah, she asked not? me. and Right, exactly. And so she, she asked, and she said, do you want to do this? And... 
my six-year-old self. And yeah, sure, why not? And did you? What was your um, knowledge of movies and fun stuff back then? I mean, I liked watching movies and television for sure, but I think that I probably didn't have much of a of. You weren't an aficionado. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Maybe not. Yeah. Not quite at that point. Right. What at six, you weren't. Oh my God! Now they are. <laughs> quick, so though. you just thought this would be fun. Yeah, totally. So my mom brought me in to audition. Where was this in Manhattan? Uh, no, it was in Rye. Okay. And because they want the local people, because that's where they were filming. Right. Exactly. Okay. They were filming in Westchester, and so we walked in, and my mom had picked me up from summer camp, and I had she put me in this really ugly dress. Although she would say it wasn't <laughs> ugly, it was really cute. But I remember being really ugly. And I had short hair and skin knees, and I was surrounded by all of these little beauty queens that all had headshots and wow. looked really glamorous. And I was this little boyish-looking kid. Well, you were real. I that's, was real. And that's what they wanted. Exactly. And that's what it kind of came down to. So, yeah, so I went through the audition process. And did they have to pair you up with Michael and Anne to see if you looked like you'd be their kid? Eventually, yeah. Okay. So uh, through, through, the, through the audition process, I did eventually meet with with Ann Archer and Michael Douglas and they put us up at the Mayflower Hotel and and wow. we went into a room and like watched TV and they wanted to see what our chemistry was as a family and what do you have to do to audition and you have to like scream and look confused not really you know so I I didn't read What's I didn't happening? read at that point so there weren't any sides for me to, to I, I got to use that excuse for my next <laughs> one right I don't read and so yeah so I remember one time they so for the for the first several auditions it was they were group auditions because they were really trying to kind of expedite the process because they had you know like two thousand girls that oh they were looking at God. nationwide and so they they tried to group us together and so there was one time I think it was like my second or third callback I went in and Billy Hopkins the casting director was meeting with us and he had some in his in his office he had like a one of the torches, one of like the plastic torches from the Statue of Liberty, mm-hmm. which of course I was like, I want that. Ah. I want to play with that. And so he was kind oh. of like playing this keep away game with us. And I like led the charge to, oh, that's so cute. you know, of the little girls to like tackle him to, you know, to get it away from him. And essentially they were really just kind of looking for, for a sense of, of our character and, and what we were about. And, and like you said, I, you know, I was a natural and that was really what it kind of came down to because in the end, so in the original script, the the char- my character's name was Alice and then uh, like I said they changed it to Ellen and there was a girl so it came down between myself and another girl and when you were going through this process were you nervous were you going oh I could be in a movie or were you just having fun no I don't think that I really you understood the, the gravity agenda. of all I of it that. it just was a fun thing and I was a really gregarious and friendly kid and really liked interacting with people and so it was fun for me and so it came down to myself and this other girl and in the original script. Uh, Alice's character had two long braids and I had short hair and so this girl had the look but I had the natural talent and so it came down to the day that they were gonna make the decision and then finally my mom spoke to the casting director and and urged to the casting director's assistant I think and she said Anne, I'm so sorry Adrian really decided to, to go with the other girl and we're so upset because we really love Ellen we, we really wanted her to get the part but he was adamant about this other girl so I'm you know I'm so sorry my mom said oh Ellen will be really disappointed but we really appreciate it this was this was a lot of fun and then five minutes later they call back and say we talked him into it Ellen's got the part oh. what? <laughs> yeah and um you told me a story when I met you because I was uh, an extra. I'm not bragging, and I still can't <laughs> think of the movie. An Alan Alda movie, mm-hmm. or um, SAG. You know, back 
when I was in New York, I don't know about your acting career, Amber, in New York. I'm but the worst at it. But did, did, I think there was backstage. There was actually newspapers where you look through. And I remember I used to look through backstage or what was the other one? Um, I don't remember what they were called. And I used to like get very relieved that it was nothing for me. To try, I didn't have to try. Oh, I skimmed through it, you know. But uh, you <laughs> oh, know. but you're trying. It's not your it's, fault. There's yes, it was my there. attempt at trying, yeah. and I didn't really want to, you know, send in a picture or do something. But it was me thinking I was trying. Like, mm, all right, it's I skimmed so through. It's funny when you think about like now as we grow up, how we're less excited about it. Like I'm less excited about going to those audition rooms. Whereas when you're like four or six somebody could say okay you have to go to an audition but first you have to crawl through glass and you're like yes I'll do it I get oh, yeah. to audition in front of people and now you grow up and it's just please it's no there are two camps there's 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 97% actors it's drudgery it's you know it's degrading you're auditioning for people who've seen you before you, you you have a Jewish accent you know you're wasting your time you have to park in the Overland lot walk down <laughs> nine elevator things walk a mile you're lost with the map you know they always give me the map and I'm map illiterate and, and, and I always they're pointing and I'm always going uh-huh and I all, all in my head is I'm going to ask the first person I see down there I, I'm, I don't understand those maps and stuff and it's just degrading I've been starting to walk out of auditions, but there's a small percentage of people. It's performing. I love yeah. it. Uh, that's small, small. But uh, now let me ask Ellen. I'm going to, uh, before we get to uh, Madeline, I want to show you're not such a good actress and not so natural. No, no. You told the story <laughs> how. Okay, no, no. I'm just kidding. I'm just being stupid. No, your roller coaster story. Right. But I did. I did. I did. I answered in an ad. There was some movie with Alan Alda, Michael Caine, where he was writing about the Civil War. Again, I'm at that age where I can't think of titles. And, and tell me if you could find it, Ben. Uh, Michael Caine, Alan Alda, Michelle Pfeiffer. It's probably 1986 or seven. And I and it says, who wants to go on roller coasters? What SAG extras? And I answered, yeah, it'll be the ultimate. And doing it. Oh, and there was a stunt where Michael Caine steps off the roller coaster. But all right, you. So Glenn Close kidnaps you and right. takes you on a roller coaster. Right. And tell him how you're what you did right. wrong. So this is what this is about. <laughs> badness. No. So the as the story goes, uh, we we went to Rye Playland, which was uh, in in Westchester County, which is the suburbs outside of New York City. That's where I grew up, and it was the the closest roller coaster park to where I grew up. And there's a famous ride there called the Dragon Coaster, and I was always too little to ride it, and <laughs> I was like a, a fearless when I was a kid. So I was really stoked to be able to to get on this ride, and they had open the park for us because it's open seasonally and and I got to sit in the front and it was a thrill for me and so they strap me in and they've got the the camera rigged to the front and the direction was you know Adrian Lyons says okay you know you, you want to scream you want to be you, you, you want to be scared and I'm like okay so go on the ride and I'm like woo this is awesome. <laughs> I'm stoked and so we, we come and, well I and, get it because you're six and you never got to go on that roller coaster right exactly and it was I was I was excited so it pulls back in and Adrian Lyon goes Ellen darling you're, you're, you're to be scared you're supposed to be scared she's she's kidnapped you and, and you, this is a scary ride so you have to scream and I'm like okay and so you know we go on again and, and I'm thinking to myself there's it's it's loud there's no way they can hear us and so I, I kind of fake scream. I go, 
<laughs> and you you can't see me. You're listening to me right now, but my, my mouth is open. I'm like, miming the scream. Going. And so we come back in, and Adrian Lang's like, Ellen, you're scared. You have to scream. We can hear you. You need to scream. And so Because there were mics on the... Right, exactly. So, <laughs> uh, so eventually I, I sort of conceded and, and screamed, even though I wasn't scared. But I mean, you know, you, you guys will have to tell me when you watch the movie whether or not I look scared. Because I, I want no, you it. did. I want it now. I you did. And <laughs> when I met you, we met at a mutual friend's party. Mm-hmm. You know, you somehow it came up you with a girl on fatal tra- and first images the roller coaster. Mm-hmm. That's the first image that cute kid. Ah, yeah, yeah. I get goosebumps. It's such a seminal movie. Mm-hmm. It's it's called Sweet Liberty. Thank you, Ben. Okay. Was the movie I was an extra in. I was an extra. It's also an extra in Desperately Speaking Seeking Seeking Susan. Susan. I remember. You were? Yes. There was the last scene, if you freeze it. And she, like, dries her armpits on her. I was like, she's so rad. That's a very underrated movie. (laughs) I love that movie. It was so good. good. And I remember um, I was in the last scene where, uh, actually, oh, man, I love character actors. There's a guy, again, Robert Joy, who one year was in Desperately Seeking Susan, Atlantic City, and Ticket to Heaven, three great movies. Ticket to Heaven was about a cult, and you see how if you have a breakup, you could be vulnerable and 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 talk and into it. And he was uh, so we that was just the last scene in the movie where the, the 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 thing breaks, the projection, and I was one of the people sitting there, you know, in the movie, and she was. She wasn't. She was Madonna, but not quite Madonna, super superstar. And she was kind of thinking she's been cute. The the uh, AD was Joel. Joel, I want popcorn. Joel, and she's being demanding, but thinking it's been cute. And mm. and and uh, I remember, um, I uh, they they were having the rap party in that theater, but the extras had to stay in the room. We weren't allowed in it, and we had to wait to finish our scene. So we were like. So shut up, Fred. This isn't about you. And yeah, there you extra go. work, there we extra go. work. The, well, you, you were he, saying he about like the, the roller coaster in, in the Michael Caine movie. Yes, yes. And extras and, and all, all that stuff. But uh, no, we met. Oh, yeah. Just, just that image. Keywords. The keywords image for... the image of you on the roller coaster is yep. so cemented. Wait, I have a question. After the movie came out and it was huge mm-hmm. and a huge su- success, what did your friends think? Could your little friends even watch the movie? Oh, one did of the they qu- know? Yeah, Sorry, one of the questions like? was, when were you allowed to watch the movie? Oh, yeah. So, I, re- uh, this, I, I will get to that point, uh, but when the movie premiered, I wasn't able to, to go see it at that point, and I had to sit in my, in my limo my my older sister. She's you got a limo, but you weren't allowed to right, go exactly. in. Right, exactly. So I was I was hanging out in the limo for a couple of hours. <laughs> it was like me at, at Desperate Seeking Susan. <laughs> right, exactly. You go to the party. You stay. Yep. So, like but the... my older sister got to go in and see it. She was she was eleven. I was seven at the time. So eleven uh, is okay. But... Well, you know, my mom probably took her out at, at at choice moments. Sure. Yeah. Which is eventually what she did with me. Uh, but yeah, getting back to the to the premiere. This this is one of the the major moments of of my career. So the movie lets out, and you know it was in New York, and it was a big screening, and there were a lot of famous people there, and and so of course I. I and got did out you of know the limo. who they were? Yeah, totally. And so I, I get out of the limo, and everybody is congratulating me, and we're taking pictures, and then all of a sudden, Christopher Reeve walks up to me, and he picks me up in his arms, Aww. and he goes, "Ellen, you were wonderful," and he kissed me on the cheek, and I just Aww. melted. 
I was like, oh my God, Superman just kissed me. And it was just For the young people, they don't even remember there was an original Superman Mm -hmm. with the late Christopher Reeve. Yep. He was so handsome. Oh my God. He was, ugh, I was in love. Even with the glasses on. I know, really. What's the one movie where he travels back in time through the picture? I know what you mean, Somewhere in Time. Somewhere in Time, yeah. Mm -hmm. He was, he was, um, it's so romantic. He was in a movie called Street Smart, uh, written by one of the guys at the farmer's market table where Morgan Freeman had his big breakout part. He was a pimp, Morgan Freeman, <laughs> oh, and Christopher Reeve, and he's threatening Christopher Reeve. It's a it's a good movie to check out. Yep. But um, no, so, this is, we'll get into the. T- so so sorry. yeah. So sorry. So so I, I just wanted to talk no, no. about that Christopher Reeve moment because that was just such that. I mean, I I met a lot of people in in my time, but that was probably one of the one of the highlights of my whole career. Uh, but yeah. So then my mother wanted me, me to be able to see it on the big screen, so uh, she took me to go see it in in whatever theater was down by Columbus Circle. And you know, again, she was like, "I'm going to take you out for popcorn," <laughs> and the in the inappropriate, and the and so we went out for popcorn like a bunch. So of your times. mother knew <laughs> when a thing was coming. Oh yeah, she absolutely. had it timed out. Yep. Yeah. but yeah. So I, and I think I, pro- I mean, I was probably about ten when I saw the entire movie, mm-hmm. which is still pretty. And young. when did you understand the magnitude of how big it was? I, I think I knew, but probably not until way later. You know, yeah. probably when I was a teenager. Or uh, when you look back, like in retrospect, being like, "Holy shit." It's it, it was a huge movie. I mean, it really pushed the envelope. It was. It, I mean, it's still talked about to this day. Yeah, like I said, they still use that. Oh, she's a real fatal attraction. Stay away well, from you know, Amber. So, but, bunny boilers a is a real <laughs> is, is a legitimate boilers? term now. It's actually in the Oxford English, English Dictionary. Wow. Really. Bunny boiler. Yeah. So, how did that uh, doing a movie so young, so early on, that was so big? How did that affect your career? Uh, going forward, did you continue to do it? I- yeah, that was that was really the the catalyst. Mm-hmm. So I got an agent after that, and and started auditioning full time, and and had a really well rounded career after that. I I did a couple more movies and did a few TV shows. Now and I saw did on Broadway. The, you did Broadway. What did mm-hmm. you do on Broadway? I did a John Guare play at Lincoln Center called Four Baboons Adoring the Sun. Ooh, with I know he Channing. did. He did. Um, what was that movie that they made a movie with Will Smith? Oh, God, I'm that guy. Oh, uh, Six Degrees of that, Separation. And he did The House of Blue Leaves, a yep. great play. Amazing, yeah. Wow. So you were in a, and who, I'm sorry, who else was in that play? Stalker Channing. Uh-huh, of uh, course. And uh, I'm totally blanking on the name of the male lead. But And yeah, how long I, was this play? Go uh, how, how long was Were you was in it? An, I think it had like a two or three month run. And yeah. this was on Broadway. Mm-hmm. And what's that like? How old were you? I was 12. And, and oh so, wow, what was it like being going It was amazing. Broadway? I mean, for me, it was really awesome because it was a cast full of kids. And so we were running around like banshees all the time. Uh, but it was it was great. And, and what I always used to say was that it was my favorite because it was the most challenging. And why, performing, how performing in front of an audience every night, sometimes twice a day. Because, so you like you know, the challenges as a twelve-year-old. You're going, yeah, it's it too easy. This movie, right? You know, I need something. Come on, right? Exactly. But yeah, it was it was a, it was a thrill, and and we had a lot of of people come in to to see it. Actually, Sigourney Weaver was was originally up for for the main role, and we did a reading before the the play was actually cast. And this was right after she had done uh, Aliens? Aliens Three. Mm-hmm. So she had no hair. Wow. And to me, as a 12-year-old, you know, I was kind of a short kid as it was, but she was like a fucking gigantor yeah. with no hair. And I was like, oh, my God. Oh, yeah, you're... and she's already intimidating looking. Oh, right. <laughs> but she was super sweet. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, I remember um, Neil Patrick Harris came to, to see the play, and there were, like, all types of people. But it was it was great. And, 
you know, I like I said, I really love the challenge of it, of being on stage and and having to remember all the lines and you know, throughout an entire performance because. You know, when you're when you're performing on TV and in movies, it's you know you're sort of segmented. You know, you mm-hmm. only have to kind of memorize your lines for whatever that scene is that you're shooting. And if you mess up, you got to do it over. Right. And over. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Wow, the pressure. Uh, I want I want to get back, but um, Madeline, so you okay? We um, you were unique in that you were um, on Raymond, and you got to be with your own two brothers on the show now. I want to just get one thing out of the way. We won't go into it. And I'm sure. getting goosebumps. I'm getting sad as we say this because um, a tragic event. Uh, Sawyer is not. Is it Sawyer? Yeah, Sawyer. He's, he's yeah. not around anymore. And uh, I'm getting sad and goosebumpy because uh, people love you. And uh, I, I worked with her and then I saw her again. And you have this thing where the sweetness like I feel like we're friends even though you know we just hung out even at the improv even though we're not no, just <laughs> we are friends. no sure sure friends yes sure, sure, sure. okay you, you're, <laughs> no no but you're you have this love where again people was sending and I know you know people love you and are so heart sick so mm. and um it's really hard I mean uh, people grew up on the show watching him so I'll get messages all the time of people who uh, seem to have a familiarity with him that they they shouldn't technically because they've never met him, yes. but um, but you know, and they're very familiar with me. And I mean, everybody has to grieve. Like it, it's it's interesting because the everybody who's ever watched the show is now grieving all at once. And so I can't be too mad about the media coverage and everything like that because I understand that they right. needed to grieve. Now, there were some things that were said that were just not true, mm-hmm. and I think there was some shoddy journalism done. Oh, that's um, everything with TMZ, that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's yeah. just, um, no, but it, it's, it, yeah, you're right. It's, a, it's we, we, they've grown up with you nine years. They, they, they see these, this sweet family, and I think you're as, as sweet as, you know, sweeter than I thought you'd be, just knowing you, and... Um, so again, I, I saw I follow you on Twitter, and I saw mm-hmm. after a while you said it's time to get back to comedy, meaning you're trying to get back and and just I, I can't imagine what I just had to get it out of the way. Oh, not out of the way, only because it's un, it's rude to not bring it up if people hear because again, people yeah. I know like you said they don't know you, but they're they're heart sick and they're they worry yeah. about you. You know what I'm oh, saying? Absolutely. They want you to be you know, and yeah. um, so. Whew. So again, and it's it's weird because yeah, like I said, I feel like I'm related. Now, wait, let me say, I was Raymond's cousin. So was I your uncle or? Uh... Yeah, I believe so. Right? Did you guys well, spend a lot of time together? That's what I want to ask her now. As kids, now we talked about this a lot on this show because it's guest star and run throughs and it's harrowing. Now I'm guessing you didn't have to do those run throughs that were where Phil Rosenthal, the showrunner, gives. Notes and it's nerve wracking because you're hoping you know he, he didn't, you didn't do it wrong and yeah. and I think from what I remember is when there'd be a rehearsal they'd shoo you right off to school now let's talk about which by the way I know Ben likes the redheads but there was a redheaded teacher who I remember I liked. Oh yeah, and I and I worked with her back in the, in the night. No, you once brought that she up. She was the Girl Scout uh, mom, or she the was, redhead mom. She was a teacher. I don't know. Oh she, no, oh Miss Arlene. Uh, yes, and, and I worked with her, and that's when there was a lot more sitcoms. And she, it's a weird thing. Like a lot of teachers sometimes get this job. Um, I'm talking to people who may not know the Showbiz Insights, 
and they're not in a school, and they're and they uh, they go kids go to school, and they run off. <laughs> and, what like on set you have to take classes? Yeah, mm-hmm. we so we would have to have a, a minimum of three hours a day in a classroom. Yeah, so I mean it was fine because I would go to school. Uh, I would. We you would wouldn't only... go to regular. Would you go to regular school? Well, I, I was. I was in public school from third grade on, but I would only go one week every month because the other three weeks we'd be filming, and then we'd have one week of hiatus. So I would go to school for one week, uh, sort of do all the work that was there, and then get all the, of the work from my teachers for the next three weeks. How so. was that socially for you? Like, now, yeah, you, was it was it okay? Like, just when you, you were... and your brothers would get the special tutoring on set. Yeah, yeah unless well, there was another kid, kid actor that was right. acting. Yeah, and then they would also do it. Um, yeah, it was it was it was weird socially because you know I'd come back three weeks being gone from school and all my friends are fighting <laughs> and, and I have to tip pick a side or and did they think you were you're privileged? like all right update give me an update <laughs> I don't understand did they Dating resent move. you you were privileged you didn't get to go to regular school you're on a set you know I don't want to say that anybody resented me I don't know I did a little oh I mean, those girls <laughs> I hate to say yeah. I was in her school <laughs> I used to I mean, be. Well, no, I mean, I didn't hang out with, I mean, I, de- I certainly wasn't popular. I didn't, uh, I wasn't like in an accepted group of of people. I definitely hung out with a lot of the outcasts and the, um, you know, the under, misunderstood yeah, artistic types that are like Aww. not quite good at it yet. Like, you know, like we don't know how to braid well, our hair be hard, or it must right, be, right. shower. Well, it must be hard to socially fit in if you're, you know, a few weeks at TV school, and then all of a sudden you have to get back in the mix, and then yeah. back in TV school. Yeah, I was just talking about this with my boyfriend this morning too. Is that we didn't uh, because we were always on set. We didn't do after school activities, so we didn't do. You know, um, I wasn't in PE every day because we weren't at school every day, and we didn't do, you know, softball or anything like that because we would. We just didn't have time. We were on set all the time. So, so you weren't as integrated as, as the rest of the kids were. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, I don't have any I, – I don't, I don't think that that's, like, really ruined my life now or anything. <laughs> right. Like, I'm fine. And I look for things to blame cool. I ruin life on. I'm always <laughs> looking. I'm just And kidding. he finds I, it. He, yeah. Fred finds it. <laughs> I or do, you? too. I just like to pretend that I don't. <laughs> right. I seem more likable that way. I, <laughs> were you excited about your life? Did you, did you understand, like – you know, did you understand how big it was, or it was the equivalent of Fatal Attraction with TV shows? Uh, not meaning you're it's just so huge. Young. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I always enjoyed the work that I was doing. Obviously, I, you know, I got to be around eleven uh, through thirteen, and I was like depressed all the time, like you are when you're yeah. going through puberty. But, um, but no, I, I always enjoyed going to work. I loved the challenge of it. I, you know. It, it, and and again, performing live, it's like that thing. There's some, there's just an energy and a hum of the room that you just feed off of every time you go out. Now there. I remember your brothers. Basically, it was like action, and they'd run and jump on Grandpa's lap. <laughs> it was just all, all their action was just running, and, and and you know, like, hey, Grandpa, right? <laughs> yeah, a lot of the jokes for the boys uh, were just the 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 craziness of it all. You know, like they're just so they didn't have a lot of lines to memorize. No, no, no. And no, yeah. Now we so that we didn't really hang out because. I'd be walking around, and I guess after rehearsal, you'd like I said, Allie, Madeline, boys, go to school. Mm-hmm. It was rushed right there, right? Yeah. 
So you didn't, so it was, now we had one scene together. Do you remember the scene? The got your nose. And two things I did, the got your nose joke. So it was really cute because <laughs> I'm this annoying guy and I go, got your nose. And there's a long pause. She goes, Daddy, could I be excused? <laughs> Get me away from this weirdo. It was, uh, yeah, and it was, um, now let me ask you because uh, when people ask me about working on Raymond, the, you know, I, I and I wrote in my book stories about, uh, now Raymond is a great guy. He wrote the forward of my book. But some people may think he's cold only because he's so in his head. It's his show. Like he's nervous about this. He's nervous about the food. He's walking around. Yeah. He, you know, he'd maybe not see you. You know what I mean? Yeah. And meanwhile, Brad Garrett was like a clown. <laughs> Brad, did he did he grew up, I think, loving Don Rickles. <laughs> and his sense of humor was sometimes, there was one, uh, oh God, a sweet guy, Don, a black uh, prop guy. Remember him? Yeah, Don, yeah. And he would get mad, even him, because he would go in front of the crowd. He did a shtick. All right, let's, we're raffling off Don for slavery. Ahoy, you know. <laughs> oh let my, my people go. Who has 50? 50 is a young buck. He has three whip <laughs> things on his back. And he, one time Don got mad. I don't know if you remember this oh, stuff. I'm sure. And, and it, wasn't, it wasn't racism. It was just he's so corny, his jokes. And, you know, and, and the shtick that Brad would do is he kept ribbing Ray because he was, like, making, like, $2 million an episode. Yeah. And Brad was only making, like, 400000 Mm -hmm. And I don't want to get Madeline upset, but <laughs> they did a thing where everyone got a little piece of the syndication. I'm thinking maybe you didn't. I hope I'm. No, no, we didn't. Okay, the, the, the girls. Yeah. All right, they, they, they. Why? Why? Um, you know, I. I, I, I <laughs> I'm sorry. I, no, no, no. It's okay. I've only heard my mom's side of the story, and my mom can be very one-sided about everything. So I don't know, but apparently we asked for I think like half a point or something like that to share between the three of us, but it just didn't. They they didn't. We didn't. We weren't very good at negotiating. I mean, my mom's just from you know Texas. We didn't know anything. We just, I but I remember. Wow. I, so in other, I'm sure you're doing well. I mean, well enough where you know you're not. Uh, not telemarketing. Yeah. No, not no. that there's anything wrong with it, as they would say. Yeah. I no, actually, no. I did work at TGI Fridays for a little while, though. And was what uh, people recognizing you? you? People would recognize me and, and take go, pictures of me. Why are you here? I hate when they do that. Embarrassing. And yes. then, uh, and then I posted it up on my my Twitter feed. That was like, you know, the thing. And then, uh, and then this like the, this radio service like called me and they were like, "What's wrong?" They're like, "Why? What happened?" You want to be a normal person. <laughs> yeah, and then like my popularity spiked on all the, in the the Instagram and the Twitter and stuff. And I was like, "Really? I'm just working at TJF Fridays. Like I'm trying to be a normal yeah. person." I did that for a while after well, the they, show. I, I, I tried to win a, went away and tried to be just. Did Does Ray know that you were working at TJF Fridays? <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> if he calls you Imagine if he comes in. in. He should uh, what are you chat. doing here, Madeline? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'll yeah. give you a good tip, I guess. That's <laughs> fine. I didn't need to work there. I just wanted no, to. No, you know, I wanted to try out and see what that kind of responsibility the, felt like. The kid, you know? the two kiddies from so Zach good. and Cody, did that. 
Mm-hmm. Zach and Cody were, and they worked as a waiter. And what's wrong? What's wrong with trying to have perspective and yeah. not have this entitlement? Yeah, I just wanted to see, you know, what. And, and what I found was a lot of people were trapped in that job. A lot of people felt like they couldn't leave. They'd been there for 20 or 30 Aww. years, and they felt like they can't leave. And so it, it wasn't so much the customers that were, were difficult to deal with. Because customers being difficult, you can say, well, I mean, their brother could have died. You know, I don't know what happened to them today. But... You know, some of these people would come in every day and just be as bitchy as they were the day before. And I was like, you're just a bitch. Like, I don't want to, you know, like, it's just. But uh, I remember. um, So, yeah. So Brad was making before he got that piece, like 400,000. And I'm I'm sitting there, the nervous guest star guy making maybe 3000 or whatever. Mm -hmm. And he goes, hey, uh, I can't do impressions, but, uh, <laughs> you know, if the fire alarm went off, Ray's wallet, where's Ray? He's counting his money. Remember all those jokes? Yeah. Everything. Ray, hey, maybe Ray will pay for it. It, it, it didn't make sense. Yeah. A fire alarm went off once. He goes, Ray's wallet went off. What are you talking about? Yeah. So, you know what I mean? And Yeah, uh, when he was renegotiating, he put, like, a bunch of... Uh, stuff over his dressing room. He would like cross out Brad's dressing room and then put something else. And one of them was uh, Ray's wallet room. <laughs> when who was renegotiating? Raymond? Oh, Brad. When Brad oh, was renegotiating. Uh, interesting inside showbiz stuff. Um, so I did one of my guest spots, and uh, that was the week, the one week Brad Garrett wasn't on it because he wanted a lot more money. Mm-hmm. And so, I, I, and I remember. That week, also, uh, Peter, the late Peter Boyle, and um, I forgot, Doris, Doris Roberts, Roberts. Mm-hmm. decided also to strike. So, and I was loving it because, because, because they said we may have to cancel the week and bring them back the next week. So I was going, yeah, I'm going to make another, you know, a few thousand, you know, because, <laughs> uh, you know, so they had to cancel the week. And, and then it turns out that, so, the next week, when they, everyone came back, me, John Menfilati, Andy Kindler, they were like on the weird sidekicks. We got written out after a, t- a, a run-through, not because we weren't good. That scene wasn't working. Mm-hmm. So I got like 11000 for two weeks and wasn't even in it, something. <laughs> it, it added up. But I remember Doris Roberts was faking sick, and they were wheeling her around in a wheelchair on the oh. set. And Steve Odd. Scrovan was saying it's like, uh, what's that movie? Um, Dr. Stranglove. No. They thought, you know, and yeah, so everyone was sick because they also wanted Brad's money. Do you remember that week when it got yeah, shut down? Yeah, I, I remember. I remember vaguely. Obviously, I was young and I right. was like, where are the Legos? But, <laughs> but I, I remember vague. I certainly remember That's your him book called Where are the Legos? Where's the Legos? <laughs> That's a child actress story. Um, but I, I remember. Uh, a lot of fun stories on that set. Just Brad was funny. Yeah. Peter Boyle. Now, let me ask you. Now, as you've gotten older, have you looked him up, go, oh, I didn't know he was a big movie guy? Because you just think he's your granddad on the show. Yeah. He was in, he, one, of my, one of my favorite movies. Yeah. Not just Young Frankenstein, that. Uh, oh, man. Uh, Taxi yeah, Driver. Taxi Love Driver, Taxi Driver. Driver. A weird movie called Joe where him... And this other guy in the 60s go around killing hippies. And Peter Ball was a hard hat. And really, it's a fascinating... My mother saw it with my father, and she blocked out Joe because my sister was doing drugs in the 60s, and she was traumatized. <laughs> but I recommend seeing the movie Joe with Peter Boyle. So did you not... And 
Did you not know, like, Charles Durning was a guest. He was the mm. uh, priest. And I remember sitting with him asking about one of my favorite, tie for my favorite movie, Dog Day Afternoon. Mm. Did you ever see Dog Day Afternoon? I haven't. I haven't. So ha- when, as you got older, have you, like, did you realize these were guys that were movie stars? No. I mean, I had no idea. Now I've seen, I mean, now I've seen Young Frankenstein. I think I watched that maybe while I was still on the show and he used to do Young Frankenstein for us all the time and I just figured he was just being a funny grandpa, you know? But right. no, he was doing a character that he had done um, and he was so sweet, oh my God. Uh, but he, but then then I've seen like that While You Were Sleeping and Johnny Dangerously and some of his mm-hmm. just c- a comedy, it's, it's just, it's crazy, I never knew that. I never knew that about him. And that he was um, John Lennon's best friend. Oh, I did not know that. Yes, really? looked it up, and he, and he was at John Lennon's funeral. On the funeral, yeah, that too, but at the wedding. But he was John Lennon's best friend. That's crazy. Yes, yes. It's crazy to think about, because for me, he, he was probably the, he, he felt the most like an actual family member to me. He just was my grandpa. He was so sweet. He was always hanging out with us and talking to us, and, to, and then he got a little more sick and and it was a little, you know, more difficult to connect with and him. And they, they did, all his scenes were him always just sitting in the chair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, after a few seasons, he wouldn't get up much. Yeah, he would be in the chair. I remember a lot, though, there was a couple episodes where he was heavily featured, like the um, uh, the, the Grandpa Stealing episode, and he steals uh, food from and the And he had trouble memorizing lines. He did. Yeah. He did, yeah, eventually. He, yeah. he was... Uh, I'll tell you how sweet he was. I was doing volunteer work, a thing called the Amanda Foundation that rescues dogs and cats from the uh, pound and, and, and finds homes, and they did they did these fundraisers. So I, I got a Raymond script, and I was asking the cast to sign it, and they raffled it off. So first I bring it to uh, Ray, and he's all suspicious. This is for eBay? I go, no, it's for charity. <laughs> you sure? Like, like he thought I was cheating. And then I bring it to uh, Peter Boyle, who's this gruff, you know, you know Peter Boyle? Uh-huh. You know, and he goes, oh, it's for kitties? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I want to help kitties out. Uh, so he was, he was a sweetheart, huh? Very, very sweet. Doris, I bumped into her at things, and she doesn't know me. <laughs> and yeah. I always drop Fred Willard's name at Fred Willard's party. Uh, I worked she... with Doris Roberts actually. Oh, you did? You... On what? In Christmas Vacation. Now, oh. look, I was going to ask you about that. I I'm not a Christmas. Uh, I'm a vacation fanatic, but I heard that was the second great one. European Vacation wasn't the good one. No. But Christmas was a great movie. Yeah. So I think I think as it as it goes, Vacation's probably at the at the top of the list. It's it's the most classic. But Christmas Vacation is almost in a league of its own because it's it's a Christmas movie and it's and kind of highly regarded Christmas. as one of the best Christmas movies of all time. Wow! So who you are, get residuals which, a lot when in? they rerun that. I just got a check today, actually. Uh-huh. <laughs> You're like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who were, who did you play in uh, Christmas Vacation? Uh, Ruby Sue. I was I was the hillbilly niece. Oh, oh um, yeah, yeah. Shit and bricks. That's awesome. Oh my God. <laughs> That's so cool. That's like my boyfriend's that. favorite movie. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's I, funny. I bought him a Griswold a... shirt for Christmas. Oh, that's sweet. <laughs> and you, should, you should get him the Wally World mugs. Oh, that's cool. And where did they for shoot the that? Was that also with uh, roller coasters? It, it was, no, no, no. It was in Burbank. It was at Warner Brothers. How old were you for that one? Nine. Just about nine. Oh, you were nine. Yeah. Wow. The stupidest thing to ask a child actress is, 
was Chevy Chase nice to you? Was Michael Douglas? <laughs> They're not going to be an asshole to a kid unless you got a good story. <laughs> well, ah. uh, che- Chevy Chase was very nice to me, but he spent a lot of time in his trailer. He didn't, you know, the, the rest of the cast, we were all really close and, and we had a lot of great camaraderie. And, and was Michael Anthony Hall in it? No, uh, Johnny Galecki was. Oh, wow. he and, took Michael Julie, his place. Anthony Michael Hall, yeah. Well, the, the, that's kind of the running gag now for they all the vacation movies the is that all the kids are different. In every movie it's <laughs> a yeah, different Yeah, in, in every one, yeah. And Juliette Lewis uh, was in it as well. She played Audrey just... as my cousin, yeah. But uh, so, yeah, uh, Chevy Chevy was nice. He just didn't really interact with us Not a, a social lot. guy. Yeah, you know, he, he I mean, I... I I don't have anything bad to say about Chevy because, like I said, he was he was really nice to me. And that's and Dan Harmon's job. Do you know who that yeah. is? <laughs> that name sounds familiar. He he created, he created community, community, and, and he oh, has great, great oh yes yes great yes, stories. I have read his whole yeah. diatribe yes. about that. But yeah, I mean, Chevy he to to me the way that he came off and Chevy, if you're listening, no offense, man, but <laughs> you know the the whole I'm Chevy not Chase nurturing. and you're not. Was That's really, him. you know, that, that oh, yeah. his whole shtick was really how he was. No, I've heard stories, and mm-hmm. you know, there's the 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 one the one story that I sort of remember from from the set was there was a part where uh, Jeremiah Chechik, who was he was a first time feature film director, and they didn't really get along much. I don't think that Chevy really right. respected him because he was a seasoned actor and Jeremiah was a newbie, and so uh, Jeremiah was was looking for a reaction out of out of Chevy during this one scene. And I think it was, I don't know, he was gone on one of his rants. And <laughs> the, Doris Roberts, I think, actually had provided the whole cast with these like little fart maker things. <laughs> where you put them in your hand and, and you like squeeze it and it makes a fart noise. And so we all had these in our pockets. And, and Chevy didn't like that. And so at this one moment when, you know, he said this one line, we all kind of went... <laughs> And he freaked out. Ah. He was like, it's so unprofessional. And he stormed off You nine-year-old. I mean, that was Funny. not really the reaction that Jeremiah was looking for, yeah. but yeah. That doesn't sound like Doris at all. I remember her She's making serious. soup a lot in her room. <laughs> That's what I remember about her. She smelled like soup a lot, and she would make it. And she wouldn't eat the Don't all service. old people smell like soup? I know, right? I remember. I love old people. <laughs> <laughs> smell. God, so so ha- so you just got that off the heat of Fatal Attraction, I'm guessing. Uh, that it was it was two years after Fatal Attraction was was released, but you know I did I did a bunch of stuff in between uh, Fatal Attraction and, and Christmas Vacation. But what stuff? So right after Fatal Attraction, um, I got a bit part in a movie that I haven't even seen called Mr. North with Anthony Edwards and Angelica Houston. Mm. And they like dubbed over my my lines with some. Welcome to showbiz. Right. Exactly. As a kid, like, yeah. we don't like your voice. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so I did that. And then I did an episode of Family Ties. So after Fatal Attraction came out, uh, I guess the producers saw it and they said, we want her mm. for this one role. And that was like another one of the highlights of my life being on Family Ties. What did you do in Family Ties? What was the scene? Well, it was a Christmas episode. So apparently Christmas <laughs> That's is like when a you get your good residuals, time of year yeah. for me. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Alex P. Keaton plays a mall Santa, which is very out of the ordinary for his character. And there's this little girl who's myself. It was a takeoff of Miracle on 34th Street. And so I come in and I sit down in his lap and I'm just this like very serious kid. And... You know, I'm like, you're not the real Santa, and I just want my daddy home for Christmas because he was a traveling salesman. And so, of course, you know, like like the Grinch, his heart grew three times the size, and he took pity and, and you know, had this, like, emotional attachment to, to my character. And 
he meets Santa like the real Santa Claus in the episode, and and he invites myself and my mother's character over for for Christmas Eve dinner, and and then you know Santa makes my my dad show up and and all this stuff. So it was kind of. And is hokey. that what you do a lot? Well, I did tough cookie girls that you know. What's I'm sorry. Is that what your thing was? You did a lot of tough cookie girls. No, I mean I was. Well, Maybe, kind of. Uh, you know, that was certainly a tough cookie role. Uh, and then the the next TV job that I did was an episode on The Equalizer, which mm-hmm. I played a pretty tough kid there, but that was because my dad was beating me in the episode. So. I thought you meant in real life. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 definitely not. My father did not beat me. <laughs> so you did a lot of heavy drama. I did, yeah, but but I did comedy too. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was pretty across the board. Um, N- so just the chronology in general, like, um, did you get to a point where, like we were saying, auditioning isn't fun? Like, tell me. It was great. I loved every bit of it. Uh, for me, acting was was where I was really in my element. And the sort of the irony of my getting into acting was that it wasn't anything that my parents had ever really thought about. Or you did. No. Uh, and, yeah. you know, I mean, I, I was I was. A performer as a kid, you know. I remember when my my sister was in some elementary school play, and I was three years old. I ran up on stage, and it was like a again a, a Christmas thing, and I was like conducting the choir in front of <laughs> you know the whole school, and and you know, so I I had a knack for that sort of thing. But you know, the fact that I got into acting really was just a lark, mm-hmm. and so. But I took to it so naturally, and I really just was very passionate about it and loved it very much. And and you know, the whole auditioning process and working and and creating relationships with people. I mean, that was that was really what was what I was so passionate about. And my mom has always said that she never saw me more focused than I was when wow. I was working. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I I have ADD and and was kind of all over the place and as most kids are, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's hard to focus and it takes a really special child to be able to to get into into that focus and and I was able to do that. And so, yeah, I mean, I it was it was always kind of the the understanding with my parents that as long as it wasn't fun anymore for me mm-hmm. it was always on my terms. Uh, I don't know if that's how it was for you, Madeline, but yeah, yeah, it was up to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, mostly, yeah. Yeah, which is which is I feel like the way it should be, and so mm-hmm. we were fortunate to to have that, you know, mm-hmm. not the pressure from the parents to be like you need to work. So there's right. nothing in your childhood or your career where you say, oh, I I wish this would have been, or I missed out on this, or I mean, there's I think that there's in anybody's life, there's always going to be moments where you're like, oh, I wish I had taken that more seriously. I think uh, after the show was over, I wish that I had uh, been more confident about my ability and continued to do it. Um, so after Raymond, you stopped um, pursuing acting? Uh, for for a time, yeah. You know, I think that I went through an odd phase of growing up, and I wasn't skinny, and I wasn't cute anymore. I was a teenager. Well, we'll, and, we'll, we'll debate know. that. Well, <laughs> I, you, you know. got it. She's got a very good-looking boyfriend. Oh, oh yeah, is he beautiful? Oh, he's handsome. Oh, oh, you seen, you. You've seen her boyfriend? You said he's no, beautiful. No, I said she's beautiful. She's oh, beautiful. Yeah. beautiful yeah. Well, I've I've grown up and then learned how to accept the way I look, but but. I'm almost there. <laughs> almost. <laughs> I need three more months. I've been working it's, on it. Uh, it's it's but it's so, so you went through and, a self-conscious period. Yeah, yeah. Where, where do I fit in? It in doesn't that? help when you know in an industry where you know um, 
being skinny is celebrated and, and looking perfect is celebrated and, and showing off your body is sure. celebrated. So at, at the age 13 and 14, I'm coming off of a family sitcom and I'm getting auditions for, you know, street hookers and things like that because that's just kind of my, my type. I'm just a little bit more broody and adult than most girls my age. So, you know, that can be very difficult uh, looking at yourself in the mirror and, and trying to, you know, and then my mom was going through uh, some of her own issues with body image and um, and that got put on me a little bit. Oh. So that's, you know, it's it's always weird that that age. I, I think that's a, a, that teenage age is where some of these girls go wrong, like like Lindsay and Amanda Bynes were there or even not even the teenage age, but just right past it where you sort of have to prove that you're an adult. And so I'm, I'm feel lucky that I skipped that. Right. And you I did it before. It yeah. Well, without the media attention. And now I can go back to it Good so, for you. Yeah. It's really fun. And, and I want to bring up that, uh, you were in a great movie. Uh, and people sent in questions, uh, American Splendor, one of my favorite movies. Oh, yeah, it's so a great good. Um, so, so good. I remember, yeah. See, you know, how did that come about? Um, you know, I don't know the story. I should. I really should know the story about that. I don't. I'm. I'm. I, I'm sure I just auditioned, and uh, uh, it was crazy. It was great to work with Paul Giamatti before everything went crazy big for him. Because now I see him and stuff, and I'm like, hey, I worked with that guy. That's so crazy. You know. Um, so it was really, and and it was fun because we got to. We, we sort Did of you get lived... to meet the real Harvey Picar? Yeah, we, I met the real Harvey. I met uh, I met his wife, and I met Danielle, Joyce, something, Joyce yeah. and, and Danielle, the daughter that I played. And we hung out, and we went through the course of the show oh. of the movie filming. We would all h- hang out and go um, to like the museum or something. And she was an odd well, was girl. This, was this done in school. Cleveland? I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was funny. They wanted me to ice skate, and so they told me to learn to ice skate before. So I went and well, took do that classes. Um, you know, they have rinks and things oh, like right. that. And and so I went and learned, and I learned how to do some jumps and some little turns, and then they wanted me to look like I had never ice skated before. So it was, yeah. <laughs> it was really funny. Wow. Yeah. So. Learn to ice skate bad. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and now I could do that very easily because I haven't been in forever. So. so that was before you went through this kind of confusing, like, where do I fit in? Yeah. That was Raymond was still going on. Yeah, I think after Raymond ended was when that started to happen because I wasn't on a big show anymore. And I was all of a sudden uh, in full time in school and I'd never been full time in school. And so I didn't understand how that worked. And I wasn't doing well in school um, because of that. And and so I had a lot of doubt, self-doubt, you know, um, uh, Which, ever, like you said, teenagers go through. Yeah, yeah, that's a confusing time. I mean, going through puberty is really hard as a as a child actor. I mean, I I know I went through the same thing. Yeah. I I I think when I was going through puberty, I probably wasn't as actively working, but it's so it's did hard. that help you? I mean, that, was that thwart your confidence? Like I'm not working as much, and I'm a teenager. I mean, I don't think so. You know, for me, I I was able to kind of compartmentalize my lives because for me, you know, I when when I was working. That you, because you you were on a consistent job, for me it was all just you know w- work here and there. Mm-hmm. So I was always in school, unless I was working. Once you know, then I would if we were local, then I would go to school during the day and then shoot at night. Or you know, if we were working on location, then I would have a tutor. Mm-hmm. But it was it was yeah it was it was different for me. And 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 it's so it, so again, like I said, I was able to kind of compartmentalize my work life and my school life. Um, 
but I mean, I don't know. How how did you feel about about leaving Raymond and then having to go back to school and and kind of yeah. live that? Were, were you auditioning still? Uh, I was, and and this is this is interesting. The thing that I found is that being a child actor and then transitioning into an adult actor is very difficult because when you're a child actor they'll say you know say, say the line like this and then you go oh I'm saying the line like this and then you get a cookie um, you know <laughs> but, but when you audition when you're older I'm sure you know <laughs> they give you a, cookies when you audition I didn't know that when kids audition they go they give you cookies well, they, like yeah, you're a dog I mean, well they tr- they treat you like you're so special and oh. awesome because you can they say don't it do that exactly as an like adult. they told you to say it well, well when you're an adult you know you, you go in and you're like, ah, I'm doing this sticky thing. And they're like, mm, no, I don't like that. <laughs> and uh, I don't know why. You know, <laughs> you know and right. so. There are these auditions that I sometimes get talked into where just give me a reason to leave. <laughs> and it's one I told you about Sony where you park in that lot nine mm-hmm. things up. So then the, you need the bathroom. Uh, no, actors can't use that. You have to go across the street. Yeah. And there was one where it was hot like today. And the guy goes, the water's not for actors. And I was, I'm proud of myself. You think I'm a wimp, but I was going to go, then kick me out. I'm drinking water. Yeah. Good for you, yeah. You, you have to have boundaries but, in this industry. People will walk all over you, you know? That's something that our teacher talks about all the time is like if you have to set a limit when you go in and say, I'm not going to wait more than an, an hour and a half. Pump. And then you leave. And then they, and sometimes they'll chase you down and they'll be like, no, 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 come back, come back. We want to see some, you. There was one I got talked into only because it was a pilot. Oh, yeah, go on it. And they have this Zach, how do you say his name? Galifianakis. Galifianakis, yeah. And, and this is prototype. Shirt, by the way. Thank you. Donald Logue, you know who he is? They, that There's these, these guys that. I'm the philosopher with a, a flask, dude. Room number one with three. There's always. I now don't have this in real life. Like the, the the straight guy, the the philosopher guy. You gotta go out and have fun, man. Like oh, yeah, four yeah. random people at a different. And I was supposed to be this guy taking swigs of a thing, a flask. And dude, man, with chicks, you always gotta go. There's no way. And this <laughs> well, one where you could drink water. Wait, they they, they don't go against that. Wait, no, they you? they had these chubby <clears throat> guys, you know, that look like Josh Gad, the new guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? They just what they talked you into doing it, and you didn't want n- to. No, no, onto auditioning. About? Oh, it was like an hour and a half wait, and there's all these chubby guys that look like you know who Josh Gad is. Mm. That's Mm-mm. the new thing. Um, you yeah. Know, oh, the guy from Broadway. He did. Uh, he was in Book of Mormon. Is that what you're yeah, talking about? The, yeah, the chubby and the Seth Rogen-ish. And, uh, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. and it's like, there's no way. So, yeah, that's very fascinating that when you're a kid, they're giving you cookies, you're great, mm-hmm. and then not so much when you're an adult. Yeah, well, when you're an adult, they just expect you to come in with uh, any your city. own ideas and, 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 a, and a sense of confidence, which you don't have when you're... Uh, there's just a big change that happens where they, instead of feeding you the lines, they're saying, you produce art. And that's it, it takes a lot of practice to get to be a good Did artist. Did you know the show Head of the Class? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I knew the guy Dan Frischman, I want to say he was the nerd. And he was on Head of the Class. He told me the second the show was over, his agent dropped him. Oh, God. Wow. You know, I guess what? it probably was a big agency, you know. The one I have now, they'd be going, oh, someone who used to be on a show, come here. <laughs> you know, but uh, wow. So that's uh, fascinating that... Uh, you know, just going for, 
from that extreme. Let me ask you one thing. Uh, Phil Rosenthal and Raymond were very generous. Remember those Christmas parties? Oh, yeah. There was a, uh, <laughs> before, before laptops, they had a very thick one. It wasn't <laughs> even like a laptop, but they gave one. Yeah, they gave it and they engraved it. They were so sweet. They gave the toasters one year from that toaster episode. And the, yeah, you know the toaster episode. <laughs> it's a famous one. <laughs> they return in the, the there's an episode where they uh, Ray gives his parents a personalized toaster that has everybody's name on it. Mm-hmm. And they return it and get like a blender because they already have a toaster. And then they have to go back to the store and so they find out that it's personalized. They go back to the store and they like rip through all the toasters the co- in the stock. <laughs> the cousin didn't get a lot of the great gifts. I did get a diamond ring. Oh wow! Do uh, you remember the diamond ring? You must have gotten one. I'm, I don't know if I remember. I'm sure I got it. It says every bit of room oh, is yeah. a diamond in it. Yeah, a real yeah. diamond. And, and my mother mm-hmm. said, uh, "It's like a you don't wear it." Maybe gotcha. she thought she would take the ring and have someone redo it for her. <laughs> but yeah, there were a lot of there were a lot of fun gifts. You know, what were your funnest memories on the show? Oh, my most fun memories. I've uh, got to be. Oh, I don't know. I it's everything's so fuzzy. Everything yeah. has been really fuzzy, especially since everything happened with Sawyer. I can't remember anything. I don't know if I don't want to or, no, or what no. it is, but is it obviously it's hard to watch the show now if you see. Oh yeah, I don't watch it. I haven't. I haven't watched before it the, yeah. before the before the the incident. Or no, just no, in I, I would. I used to watch, and and I used to, I used to come home and my friends would have it paused on some funny line that I said, and they would <laughs> play it like six times and <laughs> laugh at me at my face. They're not laughing with me, but yeah. um, but but now I just can't. I can't watch. You associate it. now. It's, I'm sorry. I don't mean to bring this no. up, but the thing with your brothers is what I remember. Is that I told Steve Scrovan, who has been on the show, he wrote all, on all nine years, you know, Steve Scrovan. Yeah. And I said, I just bumped into Madeline, so sweet. Or, no, 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 before that, I said, What are the brothers doing? Oh, they, they have a normal life. They're normal. Yeah. So, so much of the normal. So, they didn't want to go into showbiz. They wanted to no. try something else. No, Sawyer wanted to be a vet, and then Sullivan wants to be a fighter pilot, or not a fighter pilot, a helicopter pilot. Because wow. they, he doesn't have the vision to be in the Air Force. But, um, but yeah, he wants to be a helicopter pilot. And he's taking a couple classes. He's really good. So he, when the show yeah. ended, I cool. guess they weren't young enough to really get the magnitude of... I, I'm trying to guess why they didn't say they didn't want to do more. But well, They're just shy. They're just really shy. And they don't... They, they get, they're anxious. I mean, that kind of runs in my family. We're, we're kind of shy. And, and uh, just and about Amber, I don't know why I... Um, maybe I'm incorrect. Are you from Colorado, or were you in? Oh no, uh, Texas. Okay, nothing <laughs> close. That's where you're all from. No, some, somewhere in the center yeah, of the United yeah. States. Yeah. Not not here. Not, not LA or New right. York. Yeah, <laughs> not the same. Not cosmopolitan for sure. That's uh, yeah, Texas. So we did actually. Uh, how I started was my mom put me in pageants when I was really little, and I was uh, Little Miss Baby Texas. Uh, baby like Texas. Yeah. They don't have baby what? contests. They do. Yeah, yeah. Well, we were different. We didn't do like flippers or How old bleach you? hair or anything. Uh, I was three. Was three so you were able to walk? Yeah, yeah. And, and, I, I, I don't, I don't have a kid, so I don't know. Did I crawl? <laughs> I could still? walk. I could talk. <laughs> Actually, that's how I would. I won every pageant I ever entered, and it was because I would talk to the judges. Like instead, <laughs> the other kids would like, like you know, like pose and be like, "Oh my God, my curls." And I was, uh, I would just talk to the judges, and I was really precocious and and well spoken. So, so you, so you got like an agent in Texas because of these pageants. Yeah, and then I did a movie called A Promise to Caroline with Delta Burke, 
Um, and I played the young version of her, and Alexa Vega played beside me. Uh, as a, you know, we were in all the flashbacks, and and uh, we played uh, girls who had had a, like an abusive mother, and and our youngest sister was killed in the in the movie. And so it was uh, it was pretty crazy. Actually, I don't know why I was talking about doing serious stuff then, because now I'm thinking about it. That was a pretty serious, heavy yeah. movie. But, you know, you're young. You don't remember. Right. I think and it was ha- like four. And how did the Raymond thing come about? Um, well, we Were you went... live in L.A. when you had the audition? No, I didn't. Actually, the agent sent me out for a week to Los Angeles and set up a, uh, auditions for me the whole week I was there. And uh, in one week that I was there, I booked two national commercials, and then I booked two pilots. Wow. What was the other pilot besides Raymond? Oh, it didn't go anywhere. And they ended up changing the the character into a boy anyway. So, it, you know, we, we picked, we had to pick and we picked correctly, thankfully. So, um, and then the, and then we did the pilot, we shot the pilot and there was, the, the boys weren't in the pilot. They were, it was a set of triplets and one was a girl and the other one had an illness, I believe. And so they were like, well, we have to get new twins because they won't. Be able to and work you were there going, hey, um, I, I got twin like, brothers. Yeah, I was like, wow, you know. And so it was great for them because they only had to deal with one set of parents. So <laughs> <laughs> I imagine that they were not easy to deal with. You know. So uh, again, I don't mean this insensitive question. Were you very close with them on the set? Was it great being with your brothers? Oh, yeah. Well, how could you not be close when you're so little? It's not <laughs> like me and my sister, six years older, and we're teens and you know yeah. fighting. Um. Yeah. We. We. I mean, we've always been really close. I think. Uh, um, I mean, I, we always talk about like serious stuff and girls and, you know, how to live life correctly, I guess, <laughs> as much as you can. Wow. So we would, What's the age difference between you guys? Uh, four years. I'm four years older. Yeah. So how, so Ellen, did you little by little, um, like stray away or what? So what happened with me was, you know, again, so living in New York and living in Westchester and having proximity in New York City where I could audition on the weekdays, uh, it was it was really easy, and then I went to boarding school in Vermont. At you know, I think I was fifteen, and that completely took me out of the loop. And yeah. so at fifteen, that's a that's a really formative time. And so I was away for four years essentially, and I I went on like one or two auditions. Like I remember they they brought me in to actually audition for Queen Amidala for the for the Star Wars prequels. Wow. They like tracked me down wow. and, and you know really wanted me to come in, but. I think that they they sort of had a different look in mind because you know for me at 15 you know you were talking about the self-image issues and even though I I never had self-image issues I was aware because I mean you guys can't see me but I have very large breasts and I always have <laughs> and so I think they took kind of, they kind of took one look at me and was like yeah she's probably not right at this point uh, but yeah so so being out of the loop for for four very formative years really was detrimental to my career because in that time my agency had gone out of business and I had changed and grown up and and spent four years away from casting directors desks and Mm -hmm. they kind of forgot about me and so by the time I graduated from from high school and it was my choice as a you know 18 almost 19 year old to to get back into acting or not I decided that I didn't want to because it would have been more trouble than it was worth at that point for me to do it Uh, I would have had to pretty much start from scratch and I think that it probably would have been sort of easy given my resume, but at that point I'd been out of the limelight for four years and, and I really kind of valued my anonymity. And 
you know, there's it's it, these are a lot of things that I'm exploring now mm-hmm. about my department. And what have you done since uh, stopping acting? What kind of stuff? so I became a regular person. You know, that was that <laughs> was that? I know. I mean, it's, I, it's no concept. But yeah, I, I so I value my anonymity and I, I really just desperately wanted to be normal. You know, one of the things that I kind of struggled with when I was growing up was the idea that people really deify celebrities Mm -hmm. and people would ask for my autograph and I'm like why I don't you know and it sort of made me uncomfortable not because I didn't want to do it but I because I I never saw myself as better than anybody else and so that was something that I sort of had an issue with and that kind of factored into into my whole decision to leave and so post acting and post high school I I went to college for a time and started working in hospitality bars and restaurants and and eventually started working for hotel brands and and basically became a normal person and what I started to realize so so now I'm kind of going through this whole transitional time in my life I mean you know you you and I talked when when we met and I told you about my my whole now just to tell people I think you've got a great idea um Ellen is curious about maybe doing a podcast with other former child people so yeah it's, I think that's it's, a great idea thank you it's yeah. it's happening so you know, basically, the the way the the evolution happened of of this idea was that, you know, I was living in San Francisco and it's so expensive up there, and I was really having a hard time. I mean, basically, since I left acting, it wasn't really that obvious while I was in high school because, you know, at that point, I it I hadn't really made the determination to leave. So, mm-hmm. you know, from the time that I left, I I've struggled. You know, I've tried to be a normal person, and what I've sort of kind I've of realized is that, that I'm I'm not. Yeah, I'm really not. And, you know, I didn't want acting to define me. It was something that I That's always interesting sort of struggled because with. That, what you say is interesting because in one way you want to try to be normal, work at TGIFs, but at the same time something draws you back into it yeah. still. So, mm-hmm. you, yeah. Well, I don't, I don't know about you, but I always felt like it, it was like what you're saying. Like, I don't want to be better than anybody else Mm -hmm. and I feel like people look at you a certain way and I always hated that in high school like people look at you like you think you're better than them oh Oh, yeah and that's That's not interesting yeah that's just not true I got some of that but I think for me a lot of what it was was that people wanted to know me because of that and I'm like, look, I'm an awesome person. I, I have a great personality and I'm fun and I'm funny. And and so for a long time, what I what I learned growing up was that I needed to, you know, going to camp or you know, when meeting new people, I would withhold that information mm-hmm. because I wanted them to like me for me. Exactly. Not because, you know, and, and I, I run into well, this let me in ask my adult you, the life people, too. How long did people keep recognizing you from Fatal Attraction or Christmas So, vacation? I mean, people still recognize really? me to this day, really? but it's but but they don't know where they know right. me from. Yeah, yeah. Like, so you they look so familiar. right like did I go to high school with you or you know Were whatever you, like, screaming on a roller <laughs> right exactly your body was boiled wasn't it <laughs> uh, but Rocky bit your thumb I bet so uh, no but so so you know this this all sort of factored factored into to all of this and and it's something that I've struggled with you know with wanting to be a normal person and wanting to to be valued for who I am rather than what I've done mm-hmm. but now what I'm realizing is that. My acting was such a huge formative you part of it. my you life. Loved I did. It. it was a passion. It probably, yeah. Maybe it was because it happened to you so young that you didn't. It didn't feel almost feel like a choice. I feel like mm-hmm. people who want to be actors now have been quote unquote normal people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so for you guys, you never. You just were like, hmm. Let me see what that's like because you were so young right. when it happened to you. I mean, it, it was a choice. 
like I said, you know, it was it was always my choice to do it. Right. But, you know, essentially, like it, it just it just kind of happened for me. And so yeah, as, you as didn't a, have to work for you weren't like yeah. auditioning right. for 10 years yeah. or whatever. And that's that's a weird thing, because then when it isn't just happening, you feel like, oh, OK, well, I guess this isn't right. Because before it just came your lap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so now, the the long-winded part of what I'm trying to get at is that, yeah, I'm I'm doing this this podcast, and it's about the child acting industry. I I introduced you to a friend. Her name is Amy Linker, and she was on Square Pegs mm-hmm. with Sarah Jessica Parker. So on Facebook, she. Uh, did it? Did she let you be on that page? She, There's she a whole did. page of all the, they go to picnics. Like Scotty Schwartz from the the gift or the something with the, the toy, toy with Richard Pryor. And a Christmas story. Yes. Yeah, so there's a whole group of former. Yeah, there's, there's a guy Moosey Dryer. There's right. A whole, so there, there's a community of child actors uh, on Facebook. You should oh, be wow. part of that group. And, yeah. And well, so, well, let me ask you that though. Does does that not piss you off like you don't want to be defined as a former child actress well, I mean at this point in my life and and this this really has everything to do with with the podcast too is that I'm embracing it mm-hmm. you know it was something that for I mean you know I I had an ex-boyfriend that that I was with for a long time that gave me shit for not ever putting my acting experience on my resume he was like what the what's the matter with you you know like mm-hmm. you're going after it and, and these these are regular jobs regular jobs you know not having to do with acting and he said, you know, what, what's your problem? They're, you're going after jobs that, that there are so, you know, hundreds of people are probably vying for, and they're just looking for one thing, you know, for you to stand out. You should use that. Use that to your advantage. And I was, you know, it was almost like a pride issue for me because I was like, no, I want my, my merit to, to speak for itself. Mm-hmm. But then in the end, you know, I was like, all right, you're right. And it actually did get me some jobs. Yeah. <laughs> but, and, but there's nothing wrong with that. And so I'm embracing this at this point in my life. And, and, what one of the things that I really love about this community that Amy invited me to on Facebook is that it's exactly that it's a community and it's a place for people to come together and to have you know camaraderie and support and you know because it's we're in a club yeah. we're in a really exclusive club that you know I mean there there are thousands hundreds of thousands of actors out there but there are very few that had the the opportunity and the experience that we did and you know these are so these are the types of things that I want to explore on the podcast because you know it's very much coming out of my own experience my own life right now being very transitional and kind of like coming full circle and wanting to get back into entertainment but not wanting to act this is I was I was just going to answer your question because I'm going through something similar in that I was going to say what made you want to come up with this podcast thing and I think what it is is you miss being creative. Acting, auditioning isn't so creative. It's mm-hmm. great when I get the work. I love it. Love being on sets. But you miss, and that's more creative is what you're going Absolutely. for. Absolutely. And you're totally right, Fred, because, and again, this is something that I have sort of come to, to terms with recently is that since I left acting, you know, I went to art school, but I wasn't really inspired. And, mm-hmm. you know, my inspiration and my creativity really took a dive. And then all of a sudden when this podcast idea came up, I mean, it was like the light switch went on, and I I have completely tapped back into the energy and the focus that I had when I was acting, and it's like it feels right. And so, you know, so the idea of the podcast is that, as as a former child actor, you think she could be on it? I would I would love for you to be on it if you if you want to. I mean, not to not to you know like put you put you on the yeah. I'm all about practicing how to 
uh, communicate better. I think it's Great. a really good way to learn how to communicate with mm-hmm. people. Yeah, so you know, I want to talk to child actors past and present. I want to talk to casting directors. I want to talk to child psychologists. I want to talk to anybody that has mm-hmm. any sort of a perspective or opinion on this because I want to create quest- a well-rounded view of an industry and, and of some, a subject that people don't really talk about. And there's so yeah. much, you know, I mean, like, the you know what what happened with your brother was a tragedy and you know and and it's 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 happened to so many of our peers and I want to yeah. know why you know like I I want to create a sense of awareness for the general public. Yeah. Well, one wanna... of the questions, sorry to interrupt, was someone asked about. Um, did, 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 are you familiar with this guy Paul Peterson? <sighs> yes, he's so an minor, advocate. A minor consideration. I I, I okay. saw that on on Facebook, and you know it's funny because I it wasn't until Amy had he's added a, me to this just Facebook to tell group. Amber, he's a, he's an advocate. He was on the Doris Reed show, and mm-hmm. he's really Donna Reed. Yeah. Don, Donna Reed. Yeah. So for and he's long, a big advocate for child. Right. He so was. he he started this organization called a a, um, a minor consideration. And it's an advocacy group for, for That's minor a, actors. I like that name, minor. Minor actors. Yeah, exactly. And so I wasn't aware of it until I So my was, Facebook questions for you guys. No, it wasn't. It was it was until I was added to the to the Facebook group. And actually there's so Paul is is very active in this group and you know, and he's a big advocate. And it's this thing that he I think he started in like ninety one. Um, you know, and he's just been really trying hard to to fight for for minors' rights because it's a big issue. Mm. And you is know. it still there? Are still problems today? Because I know when kids are on a set, they're just get them out by this time. They don't let them well, stay late. I know that we definitely had a few problems a couple times with hours, and that that was something that that right. was fought over every right. once in a while. You know, I mean, I I don't know this. This is the type of of thing that I want to want to discover. But, um, you know, I think that there there are definitely, you know, I think that right now there are probably more issues with kids that are that are taking part in um, in uh, I'm totally blanking on the in reality TV shows. Right. Oh, you know? God, so that, like, that, that's a that whole will other mess them kind up of like more. Un- that's a good point. Territory. Oh. And so, you know, there there has to be advocacy for that. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, Paul has been a champion for this. And this is all what I'm just learning now through through being a part of this of this group and and really like reading and absorbing and going back through some of the mm-hmm. posts. And in fact, um, there's a gala that's happening at the end of this month, which I'm going to look at the uh, information here because I would love to share it with you guys. So on August 30th, um, there's the first annual Guiding Star Gala, which will benefit a minor consideration. And it's happening at uh, Lucky Strike Live in Hollywood. Oh, I love that. Venue. And um, yeah, it's going to be from four to eight, and tickets are a hundred bucks, and and for regular tickets and VIP tickets are two hundred and fifty dollars, and the proceeds go to a minor consideration. Uh, and, well, I'll, and I'll put the link on this when I put yeah, the episode. Yeah, for sure. Up. Um, I'm 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 going to be there. Okay. And uh, Scott Schwartz is going to be there, and a bunch of other, and Paul that'll Peterson, and all of these people. That'll but, be fun. Yeah. So you know. What's the date again? August thirtieth. Okay, maybe I'm going to put this one on next week. So, all right, let's sum up some last questions. This is fun because the time goes, and this is what I like. Again, <laughs> the things I'm enjoying most are n- no money, but just talk, being creative, expressing mm-hmm. myself. Mm-hmm. And so you are in. Tell you about the sketch group you're in. Oh, yes. Uh, so I'm doing a sketch group currently. It's a live sketch show. So it's the first time that a sketch show has been performed in front of a live studio audience and streamed live on, tel- on, oh, wow. on the Internet. 
Yeah, Thresher. so um, yeah, it's pretty crazy. <laughs> um, and uh, so we filmed that at thestream.tv, and that's every Sunday night. Now we're not on this Sunday; we're taking a break. And then next Sunday will be our um, big anniversary episode, which I'm in. So if you want to check that out, sure. Put the links. Yeah, Someone um, asked me to be in one. He emailed. They said, "Just let me know anytime." Yeah. Oh yeah. <coughs> we always have a celebrity guest host. That's actually how I started on the show too. Oh. What's it called? It's called TMI Live. TMI. Uh, it's, it's like, like TMZ, a Saturday Night Live right. where they have uh, sketches, right? Yeah, and it's like a mix of SNL and TMZ, and we kind of make fun of, uh, you know, celebrities a lot. That's our big, our big draw. I mean, it's, that, that's easy fodder. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and so it's free tickets for the studio audience, and then also you can uh, stream live if you want. That's great. So it's really cool. And then also I had a new uh, – I have to look at my notes for this one. <laughs> uh, uh, the film I just did, an independent feature called Spare Change, just came out uh, with directors Jonathan Talbert and Arturo. Arturo Guzman, and Whoa. they're actually producers on Orange is the New Black. And so oh, wow. Th- it was their first directorial debut, and that stars Lisa Laurie, and that's available for download on iTunes and Amazon yeah. now. Congratulations. Uh, most, of the, com- most of the questions on Facebook we covered. Uh, well, one guy, Kevin DiRia, did the guy who played the accordion creep you out? That was me. That's oh. Just, I was joking. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Someone we asked about when you're allowed to watch those mm-hmm. shows, Ellen. Mm-hmm. Um, asked Madeline about her. We asked about American Splendor. She met Harvey Picar. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a consideration. Everyone is so sorry. Ruby Sue, Christmas vacation. Um, any questions, Ben or Amber? No, I think we're good. I think that was. Any questions, uh, Rachel? <laughs> well, you you were a delight. I again, I'm. I feel close to you. I, I was very ups- I'm sad. How, stupid question. How's your other brother dealing with this? Uh, he's good. He's actually the, the, the therapist that he's doing great. Good, good, good. Um, yeah, we, we're starting a charity now. So there's a website, uh, Everybody Loves Sawyer. Oh, and, that's, great. Um, that's great. Yeah. Somebody bought SawyerSweeten.com, which was weird. Um, <laughs> so we couldn't use that. But, um, but, but yeah, it was, um, it was good. My mom did Larry King and, and, we're just we're just trying to promote mental health right now because um, yes, I'm sure that being on a TV show had something to do with. But uh, he had like a depression. Sadness. Well, what happened was it, it happened over the course of four or five days, and it just happened, you know, escalated. Like that. Yeah, and that's actually a sign of schizophrenia. Is uh, it's usually around the age of 18 to 25, and it happens uh, as long as three weeks and as short as three. You days. know something interesting, mm-hmm. my friend. Uh, uh, Bob, he has twin daughters, and one of them is schizophrenic, and the other mm-hmm. one is thriving, yep. and it's sad. And she's um, she is still with us, but she hears voices and talks back to them, and and they help yeah. her. And um, so no no neurosis because uh, it's, one is going to be okay. Don't don't worry. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That some twin may have the f- fear. Oh no, is in my genes, but. She's they're now like almost thirty, and the, the other survivor is uh, thriving. Yeah. So. Yeah, and that's all I can hope for for him. I mean, he's definitely said like I've seen what it does, and I would never do that now. Good, and so, good. 
thankfully, you know, because it's really hard on the, well, I don't know if you know, I'm one of nine. I did not know kids. that. Yeah. So, well, now I guess it would be eight technically. <laughs> right. But, um, but uh, yeah, I'm one of, one of nine. And so a lot of them are really young and it was really difficult to explain to like young kids. Oh, you have younger mm. kids than your siblings. Yeah. yeah. The youngest is two. Wow. Um, yeah. So you don't really explain it to, to the two year old, you know, you just say he's not here anymore or whatever. But like, you know, the eight year old, you know, you kind of have have to be like and that everything says like be very honest with these kids because if you're not then they're going to sense that an adult is lying to so them just say he had, he was sick had a he sick, was sick in his head oh. yeah yeah well uh, again i uh don't know what to say except um you know again i know it sounds silly when these people on the thing say tell her we love her because i know like you would say they don't know you but no it's very helpful but uh and it's helpful to have a, a venue to talk about it thank you for being uh, accepting of, of no because bringing it up. some great. people were saying are you going to bring it up and i'm thinking well it's awkward to bring it up it's awkward not to yeah, yeah. You well, know, um, I think it helps people to talk about. I it, think, so, and like you said, sure. with your brother, his twin, even if God forbid um, he gets symptoms, he knows what they are yep. and he'll take care of them. Oh, yeah. And I don't think he will, but I'm just saying he sees. And let me just say that um, I went through a depression many years ago. <laughs> it's all things comedy, but uh, yeah. and and where I went to a place where I see why people uh, take themselves out. Luckily, medication helped, and it was a depression. But when you go through that, you learn don't judge anyone. No. When people go, I, I have a, I have a friend of mine. Sadly, he was a, a comedian, Drake Sather, and he would tell his wife, "I'm gonna end it," and she'd go, "You have four kids." And she, he goes, I'm in too much pain. So what I'm trying to say long-winded is people say simplistically, Robin Williams, you're selfish. Don't no. judge anyone Don't, because because it's not so rational. You can't yeah, simplistically. Anyway, he would, he would say, like, I, I think these things, I know they're not true, oh. but I can't make myself not think them and it's like that and it, and if anybody says anything to the effect of that they're thinking of that you know take action immediately mm -hmm. i i would not take that lightly uh, so many people are like oh you're being dramatic oh you're you know and i i would not i would not right. take so, that stance yes yeah. so again like i said um i'm judgmental like with tattoos of a horseshoe get out of here in the way i'm just <laughs> you know on your neck you idiot i hate you i still have that or people in front of me on the escalator making out and texting but but what when, when people say why did he do drugs he was in the nba he knew they'd test him it's not so rational you no. can't just say you know Ah, this guy who was on this podcast, I won't say his name. <laughs> Not you, Ben. No. No. Oh, no. Uh, when I told him that my friend's uh, daughter is talking to herself, he goes, why don't you tell her to stop it? Just stop doing that. People really th think these things. Yeah. Some, sometimes some people just haven't dealt with demons ever. Yeah, That's I think a lot of people who are sort of normal and stable or haven't explored any type of depression, yeah. it, it is, it's def I've, I've suffered from depression too, and it's like you said, when I have a thought, and I know it's not true, mm -hmm. but for some reason my nervous system yes. gets involved. Yeah. 
and my you know and yeah. like the emotions are there i'm like i know this is ins- i know this is an insane thought yeah. but well no i do that now even mm-hmm. when i have anxiety and the line go i'm being irrational i, I yeah. realize i'm yeah. being irrational mm-hmm. and i realize most of my thoughts are rational as a human being, like, oh, this guy in front of me, or, da, 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 <laughs> or I'm going to be late for the yeah. podcast. You know, everything almost is irrational. You know, the biggest uh, the biggest way to combat that, too, that I found is the so what is is you know oh you're gonna you're gonna suck at this audition well so what yeah yeah you know good. and that becomes a because then eventually you're 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 arguing with yourself down to the point of well you're gonna die alone someday and you're like I don't think that's true like but even that so what right. even then so yeah, what like, like so I'm what? Gonna, that that'll happen yeah. then I guess yeah, yeah. <laughs> like and that's, that's a good that's point almost, too you know everything yeah. should become a so what mm-hmm. except like if your son is dangling from a bridge. Then you should maybe yeah. You then know, then do that's something to take action. Yes, <laughs> yes. So that's a perfect time to say. Yes, that. yes. <laughs> well, maybe God. you shouldn't have been dangling from the <laughs> Yeah. You, you guys again. I was very excited about this. Yeah, this was great. You was guys, uh, you have soul, as they say, and uh, no, and uh, I'm glad I met you. And I'm glad um, I met you too. You <laughs> know, cool lady. So you live in L.A. now. Yep. I do. And also, speaking of siblings, you said you might not have been able to do this because your sister's about to give birth. She she had a baby on Monday morning. Oh, Congratulations. Baby girl, thank you. Older so or younger sweet. sister? Older. So your first time niece? Yep. I What's mean, the aunt, name? Aunt, well, yes. Uh, her name is August Grace. Oh, yeah, so she's beautiful. Wow. Well, yeah. Ben, it's sorry you best. didn't get to participate, but you learned from these, huh? That's right. Yeah. Right. You know, you... Uh, you learn. I learn again. Uh, uh, most things I do, I want them to be over with, but not these, <laughs> these podcasts when they're going good. That's so, and thing. also, you guys stay part of the family. We're going to do a live show. I'll yeah. let you know, and uh, we'll we'll do more stuff. Thank you, Amber. She, I see, sure. she has to go. Thank you, Rachel, Ben. All things comedy. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thank you. Bye. Just one.